We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mass Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find all of my mass related content on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trigg. You can find all my writing over at DallasBasketball.com. All of our podcasts are posted over there as well. Uh, and be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, if you watch us on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button there. Leave us some comments. Uh, you know, any kind of takes you have from these episodes we post. If you uh, if you disagree, if you agree, if you want to add anything to it, uh, leave us some comments. We love that, uh, and we'll be sure to uh, you know respond back to you. Give you a like as well. So. Uh, Join the conversation. If you have anything to say, head over to YouTube and, and let us know about it. But uh, just I really appreciate you guys for all the uh, support you've given to this podcast over the last, it's been, what, five years now? Um, and it's really kind of gotten to the point where um, it's really unbelievable to me that that we've grown as much as we have. So I really appreciate you guys. I hope, uh, you know, we continue to meet your expectations as far as, you know, quality and quantity because uh, we are always trying to stay on top of it and bring you as much Mavs content as humanly possible without <laughs> without completely burning out. I know there's some people out there that do daily pods. I'm not sure how uh, people do that unless that's just their full-time job. But, you know, uh, to have to have like multiple other jobs going – uh, once or twice per week. I feel like we're doing a pretty good job over here. So <laughs> really appreciate all y'all's support. Um, it's a fun time to be a Mavs fan. You know, they made the the big trades for P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford uh, before the deadline last week. Uh, they're 2-0 now since that uh, trade deadline. They've won a season high five games in a row. Um, branching back three games before the deadline happened. And, you know, that coincided with Kyrie Irving returning to action. So everything's kind of clicking. Now, look, that uh, that last game, they played the Washington Wizards on Monday night. Very ugly. Very ugly. <laughs> it was one of those games, I, I, I said it on, uh, on Twitter uh, as the game was starting to come to a close, that it was arguably the most annoying game of the season. Uh, the Mavs, they 
they did not look great. They were missing a bunch of shots. The, you know, in the first game after the trade deadline, Jason Kidd had Gafford and and Washington coming off the bench about halfway through the first quarter uh, for their debuts. And then in this game, they started and it just kind of threw off the rotations a little bit. You could tell that uh, everybody was just thrown off a little bit. They just weren't playing um, the way they needed to be. Tim Hardaway Jr., he was incredibly rough in this game. Uh, probably shouldn't have played in the second half, but, you know, Jason Kidd finally made that adjustment and, you know, benched him for the final, I think, nine minutes of the fourth quarter. And that coincided with, you know, the Mavs going on a 30 to nine run, uh, or 30 to 11 run to end the game and win the game because at about the 10 minute mark of the fourth quarter, the Mavs found themselves down 11 points to the, the lowly Washington wizards uh, who are nine and 44 now on the season. And things were looking really rough. You know, Luca had to leave the game, got hit in the, the chin, had some stitches he had to get put in. Um, he came back to the game, subbed in for Hardaway jr., uh, you know, Daniel Gafford, he had an amazing, an amazing night. So he, in just 24 minutes, he ended up with 16 points, 17 rebounds, two assists, two steals, and five blocks, all in 24 minutes. But, you know, there, there were some defensive coverages that he missed in that, you know, leading up to that final stretch in the fourth quarter. And Jason Kidd opted to you know, stretch the floor and put leave Maxie in there to close the game over Gafford. You know, although Gafford had a tremendous night and was a huge reason reason for why, why the Mavs won this game, you know, he was matching up with Marvin Bagley and the Wizards didn't play Bagley down the stretch and they were kind of taking advantage of Gafford and uh, the drop coverage that was being played. So, Kid decided to pull Gafford, put Maxie in there, which ended up paying off. I mean, you got to give Kid credit where credit's due. Now things are things have been frustrating with Tim Hardaway Jr. and the, you know, the leash he's been given as far as you know his shooting because he was <laughs> he he started this game 0 for 8 in nine minutes. He got nine shot attempts in nine minutes. He led the Mavs with 12 shot attempts at halftime of that game. Just can't happen. Can't happen. He he needs to have a uh, a shot counter, like a hard shot counter. If he starts out 0 for 3, take him to the bench. Try again later if you must, but you can't just let him stay out there and, and keep chucking, you know, going 0 for 8, 0 for 9, and, and getting your team in a hole. You know, we saw this trend recently in that Philadelphia 76ers game last week where uh, the same thing. Hardaway started out 0 for 8. He stayed in the game. The Mavs found themselves in a seven-point hole at the end of that first quarter, and then Tim Hardaway Jr. didn't take a shot the rest of the game, only played like 9, 10 minutes the rest of the game, and the Mavs won every quarter after that and and won the game. So, you know, that's a, that's an interesting trend to keep an eye on because – Overall, I think Jason Kidd has been has been fine uh, during this five game win streak. But there's just I don't know if it's you know he's trying to 
uh, keep from discouraging Hardaway or, you know, I mean, he, I mean, I get it. He's a, he's a, he's a veteran. He's like a 10 or 11 year veteran. Um, you know, he's been important for this Mavs team over the last handful of years. Uh, they've really relied on his three point shooting. They don't really have to rely on him as much now. And I don't know if it's just like a seniority thing with kid or what, but that's something that they're going to have to clean up, uh, you know, going toward the end of the season. Look, that doesn't mean you don't have to play him at all. Tim Hardaway will have his moments throughout the remainder of this season, maybe even in a playoff series where he'll have a game or two where he is is hot and he'll be a, a big reason for why the Mavs win a game or two. But you can tell – Fairly early on, if Hardaway is going to have a major impact or if he's going to be a detriment uh, to your team. And that was the case last night. You could tell very early on it was not going to be a Tim Hardaway Jr. night. And kid has to recognize that, and they're just going to have to pull him when that happens and play Hardy more. And that's another thing, too. These these lineups with with Kyrie and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Jaden Hardy all playing together – that can't happen. That can't happen. And especially with, with Hardy and Tim Hardaway Jr., you can't play those two guys together. It, it can be one or the other. It cannot be both. So, you know, it is what it is. All things considered, you know, for the Mavs to shoot uh, 25% from three, uh, let's see, they were, yeah, they were nine of 36 overall from three. Uh, so 25% from three. They had 16 turnovers on the night. Uh, they let's see, they didn't get killed in the points in the paint, you know, because that's that's the effect Gafford has had. Only lost by two in the points in the paint department. But all things considered, to not shoot the three well, to turn the ball over as many times as they did. I know it's a Wizards team that is not very good, but you know, how many times in the past have the Mavs played a team that is beneath them record-wise and they have a bad game and it seems like the other team is making shots they normally wouldn't make or there's just some bad defensive lapses and it just snowballs and the Mavs end up losing the game that hasn't happened here lately you know the Mavs have been pretty solid they uh they were able to overcome and you know persevere uh to get that 112 to 104 win over the Wizards to extend their win streak to a season-high five games. Now they're a season-high eight games over 500, um, you know, which is which is astonishing given the vibes that were, <laughs> that were going on uh, a few weeks back, you know, before this, this streak started. So they're sitting at 31 and 23. They've got one more game against the Spurs, who are not very good, aside from, you know, Wick, Victor Wimbanyama uh, being uh, a monster something we haven't seen in a long, long time, probably never seen in the, in the NBA. I think as far as his block shots per game as a rookie, it's probably the most impressive thing we've seen from a rookie as far as blocks go since Shaq uh, because Victor's averaging 3.2 blocks per game and Shaq, I believe, averaged like 3.5 per game his rookie season. So uh, it's, it's not going to be easy, but – you know, the Mavs do have uh, a center rotation, you know, to kind of limit Wimby a little bit, especially since they've got more 
uh, more weight on them too. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Gafford for sure will be playing in that Spurs game. I don't know about Lively. I feel like Lively is probably just going to – they're probably just going to wait and bring him back after the All-Star break. Probably the same thing with Dante Exum. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. That. Uh, there's a very good chance the Mavs could be riding a six-game win streak heading into the All-Star break, and then on the on the uh, backside, coming out of the All-Star break, huge game against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, not only is it for uh, you know the tiebreaker, the the regular season tiebreaker, because each team has won one game, but uh, the Mavs are right behind the uh, the Suns in the standings. Uh, let's see. I think, yeah, they're just one game behind the Suns in the loss column. Let's see. Yeah, same amount of wins, uh, the one game back in the loss column. So they're only a half game behind the Phoenix Suns. Um, they're technically tied from a game back perspective with the Sacramento Kings, who are sitting at seventh in the West. But the Kings have uh, one less win, but they also have one less loss. So their win percentage is slightly higher than the Mavs, which is why the Mavs still sit at eighth uh, in the West. So despite that five-game win streak, the, <laughs> the Mavs have stayed uh, at eighth in the West. So you got to keep winning. You know, at, at some point, these teams above, above you are going to end up either playing you or playing teams uh, that are also above you. And that's where you can make up some ground if you keep winning. So uh, the Mavs, 31, 23, 31 wins, 23 losses. There's 28 games left. Uh, I don't know what the, the number is now, but I know going into that Wizards game, the Mavs had the third easiest schedule remaining for the season. So that's a good sign. Uh, not only for the Mavs stacking up wins, but Luka's MVP candidacy that's been – overlooked by many this season. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a real shot for the Mavs to climb out of this play-in tournament. Uh, they tied the season series with the uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans. And let's see. Yeah, they tied it with the Pelicans. They have a chance to win it against the Phoenix Suns, and then they have two huge games uh, that they'll play They'll play the the Kings two times in three or four nights uh, in March, I believe, and that'll be that'll be huge because the Kings won the first game against the Mavs. Mavs attempted to come back but couldn't. Uh, but I, they'll have Kyrie. They should have a fully healthy roster uh, this second time around, unless something crazy happens, and we'll cross our fingers on that. But they still have a chance. They have a chance to win. The tiebreaker against the Kings and the Suns, that would be much needed. Uh, they have a three-game lead on top of the Lakers, who are right behind them at ninth, uh, but they own the tiebreaker over the Lakers as well. Um, and then the Golden State Warriors down there in 10th, they've been hot lately. They've also won five straight games, and the Mavs have to play them two more times. So uh, they have a – let's see – we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They have a 3.5 game cushion on the Warriors, plus, you know, they've beaten the Warriors already this season. So we'll see if they can just win one of those two Warriors games. They'll have the season series uh, secured for the regular season there too. So lots of different implications coming up in the, you know, the final stretch of this season. But the Mavs are well positioned, I think, to – make some real noise. It's it's very encouraging that they've won these first two games after the trade deadline, despite, you know, uh, these two new guys only being there for, what, five days now. Uh, they're 2-0. and the, the Oklahoma City Thunder game was amazing. There was a lot of extra energy and adrenaline going on in that game. And like I said, this Wizards game, it was it – was, uh, Ugly. I mean, let's just let's just say how it is. It was ugly, uh, but they found a way to win anyway, and that's really all you can ask for, uh, you know, from a team that just didn't seem like they had it that night. And the Mavs didn't have it for the most part, and they ended up winning it anyway. So, uh, some other key points from that game: Luca he had his sixty-six, sixty-sixth uh, triple double of his career: twenty-six points, eleven rebounds, fifteen assists. Also had a steal and two blocks. Played some great defense down the stretch. Um, he shot 50% from the field, 8 of 16. Hit two of his seven threes, 8 of 11 on free throws. He did have five turnovers. Most of those came in the first half when, you know, it just didn't seem like he had it. But then when he came back from being hit in the chin, <laughs> it kind of kind of woke him up a little bit. And he – he uh, helped push push his team to victory. He was by far uh, a team best plus 19 on the night in 37 minutes. So uh, Kyrie Irving, he ended up playing 43 minutes in this one. He also had 26 points to go with seven rebounds, four assists, and he also had two blocks. And he shot 10 of 19 from the field. We already talked about Gafford and his massive double-double. Uh, Josh Green continued his – Really good play, had 13 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. Shot five of eight overall in 29 minutes. That's the kind of consistency you like to see from Josh Green. Uh, he has just been on a tear lately, and he's making the Mavs, you know, very happy that they didn't trade him uh, based on how he's been playing. He can he can be a glue guy going forward. So, uh, And then P.J. Washington – he uh and I, well before we get to PJ Washington let's talk about Jaden Hardy for a little bit too because he only played 13 minutes against Washington but he had a massive stretch in the in the fourth quarter where he hit two threes 
and drove to the basket for a, a key layup that sparked the Mavs' comeback. He ended up with 10 points in those 13 minutes, shot four of nine overall, uh, also had two rebounds, and he was a plus nine in those 13 minutes. So, you know, it was great. You have a combined 52 points from your star backcourt of Doncic and Irving. You had a huge double-double from Daniel Gafford. You had Josh Green being consistent. Uh, but, you know, Jaden Hardy, he had just as much of a positive impact on this game as anybody uh, in his limited minutes in that fourth quarter when it mattered most. When when no other Maverick could buy a three-pointer, Jaden Hardy showed up and hit down a couple of massive ones. Uh, and I don't think the Mavs win that game last night without Jaden Hardy, and that's, you know, that's credit to him staying ready and, and taking advantage of his – his opportunities. He's been great over the last week or so. So uh, I hope he keeps it up. You know, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> you know, as much as many of us wanted the Mavs to sign Spencer Dinwiddie on the buyout market because of the familiarity and the, uh, the veteran presence and the experience of helping lead the Mavs to the Western Conference Finals uh, two years ago, if anybody is happy that it didn't happen, it's probably Jaden Hardy because he's going to have more of an opportunity now to, you know, kind of step in and be that uh, spark plug off the bench on nights where Tim Hardaway Jr. doesn't have it. So, uh, and finally, PJ Washington. Let's talk about him for a second because, you know, there's been a lot of talk. The Hornets are two and zero since the trade. Grant Williams has had a couple of really good games. Um, but, you know, they played the Pacers, who have terrible defense. They played a Memphis Grizzlies team that, you know, it's, it's a shell of the Memphis Grizzlies. They, they're, <laughs> they're playing like all G League guys because of all of their, their injuries. But And that's not to, you know, take a shot at Grant Williams. It's just saying, like, you got to add some context to it. You know, the Hornets didn't win a trade. Uh, you know, getting Grant Williams and Seth Curry for P.J. Washington just because Grant Williams has had a couple of good offensive games. He had good offensive games for Dallas, too, but he wasn't a good fit. He wasn't a good fit. He wasn't tall enough. He wasn't athletic enough to do the things needed for the Mavs to pull out games, you know, like we saw last night where guys didn't have it and they still found a way. And P.J. Washington – is a perfect example of this because he only shot four of 11 overall. He didn't hit a three. He, sh he shot 0 of five on his threes. Uh, but he played 36 minutes, and the reason he played that much is because he made an impact even though his shot wasn't falling. And that's something we didn't see a lot from Grant Williams in Dallas. If Grant's shot wasn't falling, there were a lot of times where, and I put this as I put it to one of my friends uh, earlier today, it's one of those situations where Grant Williams ended up with a Tony Snell stat line of like two points and or one rebound or you know no rebound or you know there there were there were too many stat lines like that for Grant Williams when his shot wasn't falling. So the fact that you have PJ Washington didn't have a good shooting night, but he still ended up with nine points and five rebounds, three assists played really good man-to-man -man defense, in my opinion, uh, and he ended up being a plus eight on the night, he made a positive impact. And for a guy who has had a little bit tougher time, you know, uh, adjusting 
to his new environment than Daniel. And I'm not saying he hasn't. I mean, he's adjusted well, all things considered, but he hasn't had as seamless of a transition as Daniel Gafford has. And for that to be the case, this guy has shown that he can be a key contributor going forward and, you know, help the Mavs make a, a decent playoff push. So uh, I have I have no worries as far as, you know, P.J. Washington goes. That shot's going to fall. He's going to eventually, you know, get acclimated and uh, feel more comfortable. And, you know, once that time comes and all these rotations are set and it's not just, you know, J-Kid experimenting and then they get Derek Lively back here soon and Dante Exum and it's going to it's going to all work out, you know, but I love the effort I'm seeing from P.J. Washington. You know, even though that shot wasn't falling, he was still very active on defense uh, you know, making great cuts to the basket. That's one thing. You know, the Mavs have not had – the reason things get so stagnant on offense sometimes, like before the trade happened, is guys just standing around and not trying to, you know, do anything to give Luca any other options when he's like at the top of the key and ends up having to heave a, a long three. You know, there was one time last night where it looked like that's where the possession was going and uh, P.J. Washington cut into the paint, and Luca saw him and uh, threw, uh, threw a dart pass to him, and he didn't make it, but he got fouled uh, and, you know, got to go to the free throw line. So it's stuff like that uh, that I think makes this Mavs offense more dynamic, and it raises their ceiling for the rest of the year. So, um, And, look, one more thing before I take off here. Can we stop with these – uh, current and former Lakers taking shots at the Mavs. Like I, I have no, like it started with, it started with Dinwiddie. So he, <laughs> Dinwiddie signed with the Lakers, and then, you know, he made a comment in his opening press conference that, um, you know, if he would have signed with the Mavs, it would have been like, you know him getting beat up by a bully and then the mom saying, oh, it's okay, sweetie, or whatever. And he said the Lakers are just like, oh, no, you go out there and you make it right. Like they're the the, the, the strong dad that, or the rough dad that said, no, you go out there and make it. I don't understand what he was trying to get across there. But the way I took it is that he was saying the Mavs were kind of, you know, softer than the Lakers are. Some people said that they thought he was saying he would be more comfortable coming back to the Mavs and he wanted to be in a more pressurized situation with the Lakers. Whatever the case is, you know, it, it kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Not with the Mavs, but within the fan base. I don't know how the Mavs themselves – well, I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, the Mavs themselves might feel a certain way about it because Mark Cuban put on his Instagram a picture of his son uh, wearing a, an old Spencer Dinwiddie uniform where the six is taped out and they put a one and then Dinwiddie is taped out and he put gaff. So <laughs> uh, Mark Cuban's son's Dinwiddie jersey has been changed to a, uh, a makeshift Daniel Gafford jersey. But you had that. And then you had this thing with Kyle Kuzma, uh, who the Mavs played last night. And he came out and said that, you know, basically he told – uh, the Wizards GM that he didn't want to get traded to the Mavs because there's essentially just four teams that are true title contenders and 
you know, he just he he apparently doesn't think the Mavs are one of those teams, and that he wanted to stay in Washington and build something. Uh, which I mean, dude, come on! I mean, uh, the Wizards are nine and forty-four. Well, what are you building? <laughs> uh, respectfully, what, what what are you building there? I mean, just come out and say I've already won a championship with the Lakers. I got my bag with the Washington Wizards. And I don't want to go to a team where my shots are probably going to get cut in half because I'm not as good as as Luke or, Ky- or Kyrie. So just come out and say that. I mean, that's really what it is. He just he just didn't want to say it that way. And it's funny because you know earlier in the season he did a Q and A and they he was asked about the Mavs and he said that they were one player away, you know, from being a title contender. And then uh, after these recent comments that conflicted that, uh, people called him out about it on Twitter, and he ended up deleting that tweet that he sent out earlier this season. So (laughs) Kyle Kyle Kuzma is uh, feeling the pressure a little bit right now after conflicting himself. But, I mean, look, I mean, I I don't understand where all this, you know, superiority complex stuff is coming from, you know, this Mavs versus Lakers debate because, I mean, the Mavs before the trade line trade deadline beat the Lakers two out of three times. They <laughs> they beat the Lakers two out of three times before they made these trade uh, deadline acquisitions. So, you know, now after the trade deadline, they're certainly more talented overall on their roster than the Lakers are. You know, I feel like, LeBron and and the rest of that team are being completely overrated just based on them making it to the Western Conference Finals last season. And, I mean, that's fine. I guess people can do that. But, you know, to act like that team plus adding Spencer Dinwiddie on the buyout market is going to make them a serious title contender, it's not. I mean, this is the same – essentially the same roster – that you had last season that got swept by the Denver Nuggets. And, you know, that even if they did get back to that point, there there's a high probability that it ends the same way for them. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I just don't get the whole superiority thing when it comes to Mavs and Lakers. I feel like the Mavs are, you know, a good step or two above what the Lakers are in the talent department uh, and definitely in the youth department, you know, you have 39-year-old LeBron leading the charge for the Lakers and Anthony Davis, who, you know, like Kyrie, has injury issues. But, you know, you have that versus a 24-year-old Luka who's about to turn 25, having just an insane historic season that isn't being talked about enough. Like, Luka, he is – right now, the latest MVP rankings have him at fourth, which is the high he's been in weeks months um but you know he he's averaging nearly a 35 point triple double shooting nearly 50 percent from the field a career high 38 percent from three you know he needs to be getting more talk for mvp it's crazy that he's not in my opinion now i know the Mavs have struggled record wise you know in the first part of the season but look at all the roster injuries they had that has to factor in a little bit as well. So all things considered, Luca is not getting the respect he deserves. And the national media needs to be talking more about this season that we, we haven't seen a season like this in the NBA since probably Michael Jordan in 1988. 
and Michael Jordan didn't average the assists and rebounds <laughs> or have the three-point percentage that, that Luka has this year. I mean, that's how special this year has been. Just incredible. And you have a 73-point performance thrown in there. Uh, so we'll see. Like I said, the Mavs have the, the third easiest schedule to close out this season. You know, I did a. I asked the question on Twitter the other day. You know, how many games do the Mavs have to win to give Luca a true shot at winning MVP with his outstanding averages? You know, just just crazy averages, uh, outstanding, outstanding averages. Uh, and most people said that the Mavs need to win fifty games for that to happen. And I tend to agree with that. And for that benchmark to be reached. The Mavs have to go 19 and 9 the rest of the way. And if they beat the Spurs on uh, Wednesday night the way they're supposed to, they'll have to go 18 and 9 the rest of the way to get to 50 wins. And I think that's doable with this schedule and given the talent influx this team has had. So we'll see. We'll see. The Mavs, I think they're in a good place. They're only going to get better, you know, after the All Star break when they get it. I don't think any team in the league especially like a playoff team. I don't think any team in the league is ready for the all-star break like the Mavs are. <laughs> they need an extended break, not only just to get completely healthy finally, uh, but to also get the new guys even more integrated and, you know, where they're not just learning on the fly. Uh, so all of that considered, I think they'll be great coming out of the all-star break and they'll be ready to finish this thing off strong. And if they do, then I think Luca is going to be your MVP. I think there's – I just don't see how you how you can argue against his production if the win total, you know, matches and the Mavs end up getting in the top five of the Western Conference before the end of this season. So, guys, I appreciate you all joining me and listening to me rant for 30 minutes now. I went a lot longer than I, than I thought I would. But, um, again, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. Hit subscribe on YouTube. Leave us comments. What do you think about Luca's MVP candidacy? How many games do the Mavs have to win to give him a legitimate shot uh, of winning the award? You know, do you think the Mavs are going to end up climbing out of the play-in? What do you think about PJ Tucker and Daniel Gafford so far? All of that stuff. Give me your takes, your opinions. Leave them in the comments. Uh, and, you know, if there's anything else that you want to talk about specifically, leave that in there, too, and we'll bring it up on the next episode. So, guys, appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 